take our Bibles, turn over to the book of John tonight, John chapter 14, as we continue in our Keys to the Bible study, Keys to the Bible, again, we're kind of uh, laying some groundwork as we prepare and ready ourselves for the coming weeks. Today, we're going to focus our attention on the teacher, the Holy Spirit, and so we're going to note some things tonight just to prepare and to lay the foundation as we move forward, getting into the Uh, bulk of it here soon, and we want to be ready for that, okay? So John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, we're going to read um, through verse 26, all right? The Bible says there in chapter 14, verse 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. And I say, uh, excuse me, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I'll not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Isn't that interesting? I didn't plan to say anything here, but he says, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot. Isn't that interesting? Because the truth is, he was never manifest in Judas's life at all. Isn't that interesting? But he says, not this Judas, not the one that betrayed him. So he goes on, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. <clears throat> he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. The word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Chapter 14 of the book of John is probably the greatest chapter on the Holy Spirit that there is in the Bible. The greatest chapter in the entire Bible on the Holy Spirit. The Bible is a puzzle. It's something that has to be put together. There's pieces and parts. Often it's considered to be very complicated by people. But it's really not. I mean, the first time you ever put a puzzle together, it may have been a very basic puzzle, but it seemed very complicated. Once you put it together, you thought that wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And then all of a sudden you graduate to more difficult puzzles. And finally you're putting together puzzles that are 1,000 and 2,000 and even 5,000 pieces. But when when you're a child, you just put a little piece, a little puzzle together with six pieces in it, 
And you thought, man, this is going to take me a lifetime. The Bible's very similar. The Bible is a bunch of pieces and parts. As you begin to put it together, it begins to take shape and it begins to take form and the pictures and the, 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 the purpose of it begin to become more real and more concrete and understandable. You have to build it piece by piece, though. At first, it seems that you're getting nowhere. It may seem as though you don't understand anything, but just keep taking the pieces in, allowing the Holy Spirit to illuminate your heart, begin to reveal to you the colors and the pieces and parts, and pretty soon you're able to piece it together, and all of a sudden you have a section now, and it starts to make more sense. That's the Bible. We're taking a journey in this series, a journey in search of those pieces And when we begin to wrap our mind and we begin to wrap our hearts around them, we're going to unlock the whole. And so tonight, I want to focus our attention, though, on the teacher, the Holy Spirit. Too often, we are focused on our intellect, our personal understanding, but that's not what's going to accomplish the job here. It's not going to... It's not going to avail you to much understanding. If you seek your own wisdom, the Holy Spirit's absolutely necessary. Here in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 26, we've been given a tremendous insight into Him, what He is to us. According to the passage, the Holy Spirit provides us with some things. He provides us with comfort. We see that in verses 16 through 18. How does he do that? Through his presence. He provides us comfort through his presence. He says, I'll pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Ultimately, he says in verse 18, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. The Bible also reveals to us that the Holy Spirit provides us with companionship. That is a promise that he gives us. In verse 19 and 20, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. That's companionship. He's with us. The Holy Spirit of God comforting us. Being a companion to us. But not only that, but we see here that He provides us with completeness. Notice in verse 21 through 25, we'll not take the time to read all of them, but especially verse 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Not just is he companion to us, but he completes us. He makes his abode in us. What the implication is, is that there's an emptiness. There is a void in a man without God. There's something missing in your life and in my life if Christ is not at the seat or on the throne of our life. So we see here that He completes us. This Holy Spirit. But then finally, in verse 26, we notice that He provides us with comprehension. The Bible says, But the Comforter, 
which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, notice in verse 26, he shall teach you all things. He shall teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Not just some things, but all things. Not just some things, but all things. There is no other source for discovering divine knowledge except through the Holy Spirit of God. There is no way that you and I are ever going to comprehend, understand, or put the Bible together without the Holy Spirit doing it. It's impossible. Now that same thought is reinforced two chapters later in chapter 16 of John. Look, if you will, John chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 now. (coughs) Sorry about that. I just coughed right into the mic. I pity the person who uses it next. (coughs) John chapter 16, verse 13 through 14. How be it, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall shew it unto you. The Bible says here in verse 13, The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. All truth. No error at all. Only truth. All truth. Now that's important. John is saying that the Holy Spirit, who will teach us, who will guide us into all truth, has come. He's here. He's with us. He alone will and can do this for us. Now what is the definition of truth then? We need a definition. If he's going to guide us into all truth, we need to find out what truth is. Well, you say, I I think I know what truth is. I grew up, my parents taught me what truth is. You tell the truth, you don't tell a lie. Hold on, let's find out how God defines truth. Let's see what he says it is. In John 17, 17, just a chapter over, The Lord Jesus Christ makes this statement. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Boy, is that a powerful statement. Thy word is truth. Not my word. Not your word. His word. His word is truth. Boy, is that powerful. What he's saying is that the Holy Spirit of God will take the Word of God and He will lead and guide you into all truth. Lay the book aside. No truth. Fail to pick up the Bible. No truth. Choose not to memorize, meditate. No truth. 
This book contains all truth. We're looking for alternatives to this book all the time. And we define what is true in our heart. We define what's true in our own lives. We choose what we believe is best, right. But God says, this is truth. But I don't feel like it is. Doesn't matter. It's still truth. But I don't think that it it doesn't matter. It's truth. The Holy Spirit of God leads and guides us into all truth. And it is found bound in this book called the Bible. Now let's watch the Holy Spirit at work in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, let's begin in verse 44. Now Jesus Christ is speaking here. In chapter 24, verse 44 of the book of Luke, we're going to read this. Excuse me. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, in the passage, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to his 11 disciples. Judas is dead, of course, at this point. And he's explaining to them how he, Jesus Christ, fulfilled the Old and the New Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah. He's basically saying, I fulfilled all the law. I'm the one that you sought. He's basically teaching them what? The Bible. He's teaching them the Bible. Think about that for a minute though. Let that run through your mind for just a moment. Here's Jesus teaching these 11 the word of God. Here's Christ himself in a very personal, very direct way teaching them the Bible. But that's not enough. It's not enough. Because notice what it says in verse 45. Then opened he their understanding. Who gives illumination? Who did he promise would ultimately come and give leadership? The same one who gave Christ the power to do miracles? The Holy Spirit. There is no illumination or understanding without the Spirit of God opening the eyes of the believer. Or the lost, for that matter. In order to understand Scripture, their eyes had to be opened. And again, this is basically, as we look at it, the Holy Spirit of God working in their lives, opening their understanding, teaching them His book. And that's the same it is with you and I tonight. You cannot understand this book. I cannot understand this book. You'll never get a grasp on the Word of God by simply reading it memorizing it in and of itself. There must be a connection between you and the Holy Spirit of God. There must be a supernatural illumination that takes place. People say, I've read the Bible, I've never, I just can't understand it. That's because the Holy Spirit hasn't illuminated you. You say, well, wait a second, what what are you trying to say then? Well, the Holy Spirit hasn't illuminated you. Not trying to say, I just said it. You say, but why not? 
Well, we might get to that, and I hope it's not the case here, but <clears throat> now we're going to talk about not our teacher and guide, but let's talk about our attitude. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, who's our comforter, companion, and completer, He is our teacher. He's our guide. But still, there is a prerequisite that you and I must meet before he's going to share his enlightenment with us. <clears throat> now, that's an important truth you have to keep in mind. Yeah. It is a prerequisite. There, there's conditions to this. You know, we want to believe just because we're the children of God, he is obligated to give us illumination. That he has to tell us what we want to know. He's got to give us the answers. We're his kids. Let me ask you, you tell your kids everything? You share with them all your secrets? No, you don't. Sometimes they're just not ready for it yet. Sometimes they need a little maturity. Sometimes they need to be uh, grow up a little bit. Sometimes they need to experience a few things before they're ready to hear some things. <clears throat> God's saying, listen, before I give you, there's some conditions that must be met. The understanding that you get from the Holy Spirit of God, that I get from the Holy Spirit of God, is based on our attitude toward the Bible and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's based on our attitude toward both His book and His person. The truth is that learning the Bible is not based upon your aptitude. It is based on your altitude. How high you are with God. People say, I don't like that. God's no respecter of persons, though. You know that's true. Absolutely. But let me tell you this. And let me ask you this, I should say. <clears throat> who gets your ear? And who gets your best? Those that give you theirs. Somebody doesn't want to hear what you have to say, you're probably not going to share a whole lot with them. You know you're wasting your time. And let me tell you something. God knows a heart that genuinely lifts and elevates him and his word up. God knows who's genuine, who's serious, who's sincere or not. <clears throat> you have to have an open mind and an open spirit to God and his word. You ever dealt with somebody that was unteachable? Had a bad spirit about them? I mean, they're, they're thick-headed, they're hard-hearted. Maybe they think they know it all already, or maybe they're just not interested. Let me tell you something. You can't teach people like that. You can't do it. <clears throat> oh, those people want answers too sometimes. No matter how much they want answers, they're not willing to listen long enough to get it. Because before you finish, they're telling you what they're thinking and what they think and what's important. And, and no, you just don't understand. And... And we go, whatever. Fine. Do what you're going to do anyway. Obviously what I say doesn't matter. Why'd you even ask? And that's how God may feel sometimes when we come to Him, not truly elevating His Word like we ought to, viewing it and just simply believing it. There's a classic example of this. Look, if you would, at Luke chapter 23. <clears throat> Notice what happens here. Watch how the Lord responds to Herod. Jesus has just been arrested, and he's being questioned by Pilate. Pilate, however, he couldn't find fault with Jesus Christ, so 
when he discovers that Jesus is a Galilean, he decides, I'm going to pass the buck here. I'm going to send him to Herod. Instead of me, Pilate, dealing with the problem, I'll just send Jesus to Herod. Now look in chapter 23 of Luke, verse 8 and 9. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. Why are you so happy, Herod? For he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Pretty happy. Jesus is in my courtroom. This is awesome. Maybe Jesus will do a miracle. Then he questioned with him in many words. Here it is. But he answered him, Nothing. Nothing. Oh, I'm happy to see you, Jesus. This is awesome, you coming here. Hey, I got some questions for you. That sounds like a pretty good scenario, doesn't it? Somebody's excited and happy to see Jesus, and they've got a lot of questions for him. Man, Jesus is surely going to just tell him all kinds of things because he's got a good heart. Uh, No. No. Notice how Jesus refused to answer him completely. He said he answered him nothing. All Herod was interested in was, was in some miracle. I want to see a miracle. He didn't care about the truth. He just wanted to see a miracle. You get where we're going here? The truth didn't matter to him. The miracle mattered. Let me see something. Let me see it. There before his very eyes, in his very presence, his own courtroom, sat the creator of the universe. And all he cared about was a miracle. Sounds a lot like Christians. All I want you to do is heal my loved one. I don't care about your truth. All I want you to do is heal my body. I don't care about your truth, God. All I want you to do is fix my problem. Take care of my circumstances. I don't care about that other junk. The truth. I just care about my need. We've all been there, haven't we? Selfishly demanding of Christ something other than the most important thing. Truth. How's God supposed to bless us when that's our spirit? He could not bless Herod because he did not want truth. He just wanted a miracle. Herod had a wicked heart. So Jesus wouldn't give him the time of day. He wouldn't even answer his questions. He said, well, Mrs. Inkins said, that's why I don't believe the Bible because Jesus, if he's really that like that, who cares? Oh, like you aren't any different. It's funny how we have this different perception of God, how He's supposed to be so different than us. Hey, wait, He created us. We're in His image, aren't we? Listen, why in the world shouldn't we have to put up with you? I don't need to put up with that. Why should God have to put up with it? He's the one that created all of us anyway. If anything, we ought to be bowing our knee and begging His mercy every day. <clears throat> Instead, we put crazy demands on Him. In this case, Herod says, listen, I just want to see a miracle. Matter of fact, he goes on to question Him, it says, at length. I wonder what kind of questions he asked Jesus. You ever think about that? How many angels fit in the head of a pin? What do you think there? What do you think? Did Adam have a belly button? 
you know? You, you get where I'm going? I mean, things that really, come on. Just, just, you know. I, I don't know. Explain to me where matter came from. I spoke it into existence. That's not good enough for me. I have another question. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just question after question. You ever run into those folks? And it's always about, I just don't want to believe the Bible. So I'm going to keep asking questions, and hopefully you, you're not really going to be able to answer them all, because really it doesn't even matter whether you could. The fact is, I don't believe it anyway. I could take you to the Bible left and right. You just show me that. Oh, yeah, I know, but what about this instead? Well, then let me show you this, okay? Well, what, okay, I know that, but what about this? And I show you, well, what about this? They don't love the truth. If God's Word says it, it settles it. doesn't matter whether we believe it or not. It's over with. It's done. It's fixed. It's truth. <clears throat> A man or woman's attitude toward God and His Word determines whether he or she will be given insight and illumination. So what we've learned then, we've laid some groundwork, and it shows us we've learned that it's the Holy Spirit of God who teaches us. And we've learned that it's our relationship to the Holy Spirit of God as you pay attention to what the Bible says in your life that determines what you will learn. That's what we learn. Again, it's the Holy Spirit of God who teaches us. Number two, it's our relationship to the Holy Spirit of God as you pay attention to what the Bible says in your own life that determines what you will learn. Now, I want to give you an amazing truth. <clears throat> Let's see how important it is to understand the things that we've just learned. Try to put our mind or wrap our mind around a little bit. You know, most people think that the Bible is just basically a, a bunch of man-made writings that were compiled, put together. Many believe that they really were God-inspired. They were just simply man-inspired. Most people have no real concept of the magnitude of the book God gave us. They can't even comprehend how amazing this book is. Let's consider what the Apostle John wrote in the last chapter of John. And maybe by noticing this, we're going to, again, be reminded one more time of how important it is to understand why the Bible should be the number one priority in our life before we go any further in our study or any further in our life. So he says, what should be most precious in your life? My wife. Nope. My husband. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Nope, nope, nope. They're pretty important. This is the mind of God. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. This ought to be more important to you than anything you possess. You know why we don't learn the book? Because we really don't love it. We love so many other things and other people before it. We spend so little time in it. We wonder why we can't grasp it. We take a math class in algebra and we spend 15 weeks, three times a week in a class to try to learn basic algebra. Come to church just once a week. Let's try to figure it out. Man, that's a, that's a big commitment. Huge commitment. Come back Sunday night, Wednesday night. Are you kidding me? Come on now. Come on. It's not like I'm going to be making money by doing it. You get where I'm going? Hold on a second. 
the amazing truth. Let's figure it out then. Let's see what that truth is. Notice what it says in John 21, 24. <clears throat> this is unbelievable. This is an atomic bomb. Notice what it says here in John chapter 21, verse 24 and 25. This is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Did you just get what, just, what he just said? There you have it. The, an atomic bomb of truth right before our very eyes. Did you get it? That verse is saying that of all the things that Jesus Christ said and did, if we would bind them in books, if we would record them for the world to read over and over again, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world. There wouldn't be enough space in the world to contain everything that the Lord Jesus Christ accomplished, did, and performed while on this earth. Impossible, he says. The earth couldn't contain it. There's so much. I want you to think with me now for just a moment. Of all the things that the Lord Jesus Christ said and did, I have in my Bible approximately 1,350 pages summarizing it all. There it is. I like summarizing books, and I don't do that summarizing. I, I go through and I highlight, and sometimes I'll have my secretaries go through, and they'll write just the highlighted parts. They'll type out the highlighted parts for me. And then they put them all into a, a file so that I can go back and review a whole book maybe in 20, 30 pages. I like the summary. I like to condense it down. I like to get rid of some of the stuff, the fluff. Hold on. The world couldn't contain everything that Jesus said and did. And yet 1,350 pages is all he gave me. I want you to think about this for a minute. How precious is every word then? Amen. You say, well, there's parts of that Bible that are just boring. There's parts of that Bible that just aren't very interesting. There's parts of the Bible that probably aren't really that important. Really? They're recorded here. Of all the things, think about all the miracles that Jesus Christ must have done while on earth, and yet only so many are recorded for us. Amazing, isn't it? We are so blessed in America to be able to hold this book in our hand. This completed book. This book called the Word of God. Every word is important. People talk about revelations from God other than the Bible. May I say there aren't any. Every bit of truth that God would have us possess is bound in the pages of this one book, the Bible. There it is. There's no confusion about it. 
You want to know who God is? You want to know what God's about? You want to know what our purpose is? You want to know anything? All truth is found here. You don't have to have an extra revelation. You don't have to depend on a priest or a preacher or a rabbi or somebody else to come up with, this is from heaven. No, this is from heaven. And you've got it in your very hand so do I. We tried to provide a basic understanding of how the Holy Spirit of God teaches us in this book. Listen, it is not automatic that every time we simply open the Bible that He's going to just pour it on. A lot of it depends on our attitude toward it. How precious is it? How quick are we to believe it? The Bible is not hard to understand, but it is hard to believe. It's real tough to believe sometimes. The only thing you and I have to do to unlock the riches of the Word of God is to believe what we're reading. It's that simple. After his resurrection, the Lord Jesus Christ met two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. You know, at the time, they didn't have a clue who he was. And after talking with them for a while, they, they began to cry on his shoulder. They began to sing the blues about how the Messiah had been crucified. And they felt something was wrong because, of course, the women had... Went to the tomb, didn't find the body of Jesus. We've got a problem on our hands. Our master's died and now his body's missing. And uh, they're telling us that he's alive. They didn't believe it though, did they? They didn't believe that he was risen. Matter of fact, they were skeptical. I think they were probably just going to reserve judgment until they could logically evaluate all the scientific data and come up with a rational explanation. That's probably what they were going to do. But I want you to see something. Look, if you will, in Luke chapter 24 again. Some of you may still be there. We're closing now. Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Here it is in a nutshell. All wrapped up in this simple statement. The Lord Jesus Christ speaking now to these disciples on the road to Emmaus. He says, Then he said unto them, verse 25, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Notice he didn't say they were slow of mind. Oh, you foolish, foolish disciples. You're so stupid. You're so ignorant. You don't, you don't have no brains at all. Don't you get it? He never said that. He said that they were slow of heart to believe all that the prophet had spoken. If you and I want to honestly understand this book, you cannot be slow of heart to believe it. God will not reveal truth 
to people who do not believe. You say, well, he did when I was lost. You're not lost anymore. You have a decision to make, and so do I. How valuable is this book? How precious is this book? What do you hold in your hand? When you view it, when you think about it, what is this today? That determines how quickly and how well you ultimately grasp the Word of God. The Lord didn't say you need to go to Bible college so you can appreciate the true rendering of the original languages and be able to somehow expound the fullest meaning of the text. He didn't say that. He just said, fellas, you're slow of heart to believe. You've heard the truth. You've known the truth for quite some time. You just don't believe the truth. And as a result, you're in the dark still. And as believers, God never intended for us to be in the dark. But the most important factor of understanding the Bible is the Holy Spirit illuminating and thus having an attitude of belief and understanding what we really hold in our hand and how precious and valuable it really is. Let's not make the same mistake they made. Let's just believe. And let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us into all truth. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all you do for us.